Hey guys, welcome back to. It's cold again. Lord have mercy. You came up with Sorry. this thing. I need to write that down. I keep forgetting what it is. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Lord have mercy. This is a very special one for us. I think we say this every week though, but just go with it. We are sitting with our wonderful new team member, Normsa, who is joining us as an intern, and she's only been been around for the last couple of weeks with us, but it's been really exciting for us to be able to chat to a student, a legal student, about what life has been like during this weird time. I think it's it's definitely something that I couldn't even have imagined when I was at university uh, doing remote learning um, even though you you on an on-campus tertiary institution. And what's super special about this and our internship in general is that Normsa is also studying at Rhodes University, which is where Claire and I um, graduated from, but many, many moons ago. So we're really excited to have Normsa, and we are really looking forward to seeing what, what happens over the next few months with, with this um, internship. This is obviously the first time that Pop Law has had an intern, as it is the first time that we've done pretty much everything. So we're also learning as we're going, and hopefully we'll get some good feedback from Normsa, you know, managing upwards and, and what we can do better uh, going forward. So Normsa, welcome to Lord Have Mercy as your first episode with us. Hello. <laughs> and uh, I just, I wanted to just give you an opportunity to, you know, full transparency, no, um, no ears and graces. Introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about you know what what you what you have been doing this year and um, what you've been studying and um, yeah maybe some some anything other anything non law related that that you find particularly interesting about yourself. Um, well, I am a third year at Rhodes currently, so I'm pursuing that LLB track. So we'll see what happens in the future if anything needs to change. Um, Something non-law based is I am the person in the friend group who provides playlists. Like I am the music fundi. I will give anyone a playlist at the drop of a hat. Um, it is my shining moment in life that I have good taste in music. I say my friends. <laughs> yeah, spoken spoken like a true lawyer. You gotta you gotta put the disclaimer on there. Um, I must say, I also I also have a very broad taste in music. I don't know if it's any if it's particularly good. Um, I was at a, a birthday party about two years ago, and it was just a plug in your your phone to the aux cable, and and people just had a go at, at putting on different playlists. But I I listen to everything from hard rock, rap, country. Disney musicals, you know, what, whatever goes. And uh, I put on my country playlist, which obviously took most people by surprise. And there were three of us on the dance floor um, having the best time. And we got through two songs when the birthday girl just put a moratorium on that and was like, nope, and never, never again will you have access to the aux cable. So I do like that you put the disclaimer on there. But I like even more that I think that there's a pop playlist that that we can develop as a that seems like a good a good um, project for an intern to do is curate a, a popular playlist for us to listen <laughs> to every week. I am 
I will do that. I am happy to do that. And you, you will also need to factor in Claire's. Uh, Claire also has a bit of an eclectic taste in music, and she listens to a lot of Japanese techno music, um, but also plays the jazz piano. So as long as you can incorporate all of that into a playlist, that, that would be really good. Um, I've grown up around eclectic music people. My best friends are the most strange humans with the best music taste. Um, my best friend in the world, we used to wake up in a house, like when we slept over, to like concerto music. Nice. Slowly go into like party music as the day progressed because your dad would wake us up with like one of Beethoven's like movements and then we would just start playing different things on the TV as the day progressed. It was very, very, it was very fun. It's so weird because I, I think, you know, for me, music has always been a massive part of my life and it's, it's weird to think of it, that nobody else um, or, or some people, you know, don't, don't have that. My, my housemate was telling me that he went to boarding school and one of the guys in, in his boarding house just said who doesn't like music and and even then as teenagers they were like what does that mean because there's so much there's so many different types of music how can you just not like music and he's like no he just doesn't like it and that was the end of the the conversation so i must say i do miss the days although this is highly controversial i left university and became an, an intellectual property specialist but during my days at university and i'm not even sure if it still exists we had the wonderful platform of dc plus plus where we would be able to, it was it was initially set up as a as an on campus sharing um, service, which was it makes a lot of sense. People could upload notes and you know share content or or research that they had found with with peers, and then quickly morphed into a you could basically access any music, any video, any thing in the world um, in this in the sharing platform. So my music library at at, at university was very well curated. At the moment, I'm now a Spotify uh, convert that basically leaves it up to to the robots to to curate my music for me. But uh, I think we could we could be onto something, and I, I I quite like that idea of changing music as as the day progresses. <laughs> so I, I honestly think my property law professor would have a fit if we brought up like a, a sharing platform of that extent like i feel like it will be an exam question in his intellectual property course about why this cannot work anymore absolutely i mean intellectual property was my my favorite course at, at rose i did it as an elective in my final year and it was my best mark and um you know that's what i've spent the rest you know the, the, not the rest but the early part of my career hyper specializing in um but i can also appreciate what it's like to be a student so and also bearing in mind that I didn't have Spotify where you pay, you know, a couple of rand per month to to have access to all of these things. So things things change. And I'm sure many, many other things have changed from the time that I I um, finished my LLB in 2011. So, geez, it's almost 10 years since I've left university. And as Normsa mentioned, she she's a third year. Um, so we'd still have two years left of, of LLB to, to go forward. But you mentioned, you know, going through this LLB track and that would be your next degree, I guess, after, after you finish this year. But when, when at Rhodes, at least when you start off as first years, you, whether you do a BCom or a BA or a BSc, if you want to do law, you, you pick it as a first year subject and, you know, there's no, you don't study the law at school. And at least in my experience, I didn't really have very much 
exposure to the law in in high school so how how did you how did you pick that that subject when when you got to Grahamstown and needed to to register for your subjects um because Rhodes is very strange in terms of majoring um we are forced to double major <laughs> so um you have to take by your third year you have to have two third year subjects which are going to graduate and me being me i thought originally that i was going to do law and french because i've studied french on and off since grade seven um i'm terrible at french i will try again in the next three years i hope to study french again but it was just one of those things that i just assumed i'd be doing um because i've I've always been interested in law. It wasn't my first degree choice. Actually, I thought I wanted to go into a completely different field. I wanted to go into occupational therapy at one point. So I took psychology, French, law, and English in my first year. And I just could not vibe with psych (laughs) at all. And I just persevered as it as a second year subject but it genuinely pained me as a person to carry on with psychology um and French just kept on getting in the way because it's a very when you learn a language it's a continual learning process where you immerse yourself in everything and then law just kept on interesting me and like putting new nuggets of information and um stuff me and my friends can yell about after our lecture um and it just became a lot more interesting. Even if I wasn't good at law as a subject, it was just very interesting. Like, you, it was a challenge. Like, every time your lecturer gave you a question or something to remember or a piece of history about South Africa, because that was a big thing in first year, was, like, um, how South Africa evolved from, like, Roman Dutch law to, like, now. Um, it was just interesting. Like, it was just at the core, it was just, like, interesting to learn about and was one of the few subjects besides English that kept on making me want to like come back and like listen to someone go on for an hour. It's so interesting how there's so many parallels, you know, it's 10 years difference and there's just so many parallels. When I was in high school, just I went to a very small high school. So our subject choices were quite limited in terms of the combinations that you could do. So I originally was um, going to take history and I really I mean very interested in that but I couldn't take history and French so in the December holidays before before grade 10 I decided actually I'm going to do French and you know did that as a matric subject uh, and, and then you know always kind of have had not regrets because I love doing French and we also got to do cool things like listen to French music and eat crepes um, a lot so I don't think that the history class benefited from that but when I got to university as well, I also thought if, I had a bit of regret not taking French. I thought, well, what a waste of learning a language for however many years. And then you just, like you said, you lose it so quickly. And I've downloaded Duolingo about 17 times in the last 10 years um, with with big plans of, of taking a French. So maybe we can also add that to our agenda to of things that we can do together. But what I find quite interesting is that most of the people that I speak to are either we've always known that we want to be a lawyer. We went and studied LLB straight up at university or it's a, I kind of stumbled across law as a default. So my, my experience was I was going to Rhodes to study journalism and English and then 
took picked those subjects and then linguistics as well and needed a fourth subject and my dad I think was was very aware of the fact that you know he's going to end up with this child who graduates with a BA in English and journalism and what what's the plan there so he he very subtly encouraged me to either take psychology or law because it would be a good you know backup and I also was like "Mm, psychology don't know about that picked law and then did psychology in my second year only for one semester. I only lasted one semester and I thought I actually cannot do this. And then I ended up doing geography, I think, in the second semester. But um, it was also very interesting for me because that first year of law is is very history-based, like you said, and it's actually learning more about South Africa, how we've ended up with the legal system that we've had. But in order to do that, you have to to go through our our history and I didn't really feel like that was covered very well in our sort of primary school curriculum. Um, you know, you kind of get Jan, 1652, Jan van Riebeck, and then it's sort of the Union of South Africa, and then 1994 elections. There's like about a 20-second um, uh, highlight of apartheid, and, and that's about it. So that first year of law was really interesting for me because um, we got to learn so much about these things and, and really also about how law was used to control everything. I mean, it seems very obvious now, but you also realize that, especially when you're looking at things like the Holocaust, and you're looking at things like um, apartheid, those those were all happening under very legal practices, but it was just how the, the law was being used to manipulate people. So I found that very, very um, fascinating. And I think that was also the reason that I, I kept going with law, because I just wanted to know more and more and more about how we got to where we were, but then also what what can we potentially do to then kind of change the trajectory or the future of, of South Africa, which, which is really interesting. I, it wasn't always great for me. And I don't know if you had any um, disappointing experiences so far with your studies. Some, some of the stuff that we, um, we did, uh, it, it went way over my head and I didn't really understand it. Although I probably should go back and read those notes and it would make a bit more sense to me. Um, but what, what has your experience been like? You, you're almost at the end of your third year and is it, do you still kind of have that excitement that you first had and, and passion or or has Lord the, the the legal studying part of it at least disappointed you or not met any expectations so far? Law is very different from what you think it is to it in reality. And I think a lot of like students will say that. I never thought of law as like what it would be on TV, but I didn't think it would be what I'm studying now at all. Um, because it's very like situational based like Rhodes emphasizes like problem questions problem questions like um, like understanding of the law like in terms of a problem solving way and it's very hard to like for me personally to write a question that follows that way of thinking because I also do English and English is like beautiful theories just thrown into a piece of like lovely like times new roman font like essay style question whereas um, Rhodes law is like we want you to get somewhere we want you to hit certain points and you have to have a way of thinking like a lawyer in a sense that doesn't come naturally to me i love like touching on different topics and things which is very easy to do in english and very easy for me to do in literature, but it doesn't transfer to like law. Because I think when you're a child, you're always told like, 
oh, you can argue really well. You'll be a great lawyer. Or you're like told, oh, you can talk really well. You're a great lawyer. But if you can't think or reason or like deduce like systematically what a person needs from you, you can't be a good lawyer. And I found that so difficult. Um, and like, especially like now I'm better in identifying that. I don't know if my lecturers would agree with that. <laughs> but in terms of like, let's say for contract or um, I can see, okay, that is a often an acceptance question. We can go through this. Here are all the points I have to hit. That's fine. And I can see where I go wrong. But I remember in like first and second year, I'd just be distraught on the floor in the library, um, especially last year exams when we had constitutional law. Um, that has shown me so many flames in my life that I just <laughs> need to put it to bed. Um, but it's like, it's just so hard to think like that and put your mind in that space. I just remember my friends and I in the library, in the study rooms, just crying <laughs> together because we were like looking at a question and we looked up and we started crying and laughing in the library <laughs> and we're studying with science students and they look so confused because they're like, we're out here learning about like the division of cells in biology and we're trying to understand like um, the death penalty case of South Africa and just mm. like, crying. <laughs> Good old S versus Makwanyane. Every law student has to quote that case at least once inappropriately to be a true law student, I saw it. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, is I think you, I mean, you raise very valid points. And, and for me, I don't know, my unsolicited advice here is that my experience as an undergrad was very different to my experience as an LLB student. And then that in itself was also very different to my experience in practice. And I think it is a flaw in so many levels that you 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 have to learn all these different legal subjects. It, it is, you know, you're trying to get a broad education on, on many, many things and you don't even cover all the types of law while, you, while you're a student. And then the next thing is looking at how do we then um, time it? Like in what chronological order do we deliver this, this information to students? And I think for me, I was chatting to a friend of mine who, who's always been involved in public law um, and I have always been involved in private law. So for people that are listening, you know, public law is very much what, what Norman was talking about, constitutional law. Um, how, how do rights affect the broader society and um, administrative law? And how, the, how does the government work? And all of these sorts of things. And civil, um, well, private law is, is more, you know, between individuals or between companies, private companies. And and they, they have very different um, experiences. And I found that, that the, the public law stuff that we did. So we did also constitutional law in our second year. I mean, I look back now, I was 19 years old and knew very little about the world and you're trying to learn about some really heavy topics. You're talking about land displacement and the death penalty and all these things that, as for me at least, as a 19-year-old, I, I didn't really have, I think, the life experience to really appreciate that. Whereas now I can look back and read these cases, also bearing in mind that the constitutional law cases are the longest ones you're going to find. So from that point in itself, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. Um, but, but it is interesting. And I actually think it would be a good, good exercise for myself to, to go back and read those cases now and, and see, you know, if I have a different opinion to it. But I must say, the, the one thing that I can say is that I, I definitely found for me that my LLB 
compared with my age, I mean, I was still a young sapling, uh, but but it definitely, I got to engage with the law a lot better. And I think I also took it a bit more seriously. But truth be told, and I've said this multiple times, um, and it's no attack on my experience at the Rhodes Law, law Faculty, because I had an absolutely amazing time there. It was more a thing that when I started practice, I learned, or I found at least, that my non-law subjects were way more beneficial to me than my law subjects that I'd learned at university. And all the non-academic things that I'd experienced at university were more beneficial to me in practice than the academic side of things. So, you know, obviously you are learning it in a very academic context, but at the same time, things like being able to balance your work and your social life and your family, that, that stuff that doesn't necessarily, you don't have a course, an introductory course of that at university. But when you start working, I mean, I, I was very honest about this, even in my, the first interview that I had, which is eventually the, the firm that I did my articles at. And they were asking me about my marks. My undergrad marks weren't the best, but they weren't terrible. And I also just made a point at, at that point to say, you know, I'm not somebody that spends all day in the library reading books and studying. I do put a, a lot of weight into my, my studies, but I also play sport and I do a lot of community involvement. And I also go out and I have a drink with my friends and watch movies and do all of that stuff. And actually, when I started working, I realized how important it is to almost get that instinctively. You know, the, the idea of like coming up with a rational argument and researching and stuff. I still think those are skills that you can learn at any point in your life. But it becomes very difficult when you start working and you don't know how to speak politely to people in your team. You know, we had people um, and I've experienced it all the way through my career, people who did very well academically at university, but maybe are a bit naive and coming to the working world and thinking that, you know, just because they say something, they're going to get it. Or, you know, you are the secretary or you are the candidate attorney. Therefore, you must just listen to me. And that's not how it works at all. You, you're working with people and and your social skills, I think, are, are critical. So I think you, you're you still doing absolutely fine with your approach to university. I think that learning how to cry at yourself in public is also very important because that has definitely happened to me multiple times since, since leaving university. So I think you're actually ahead of the, the curve there. Um, thank you. Uh, my friends will be very happy to hear that. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's it's a, it's a big thing. And also, um, you know, you talk about building a legal argument and constructing this and pointing this. Trust me, there are much, much more important life skills that can be uh, gained as a university student, especially an LLB student, when your class is much smaller and you've obviously got a lot more contact time with your lecturers and they take you a bit more seriously as well. Um, so learning how to negotiate an extension for for your deadlines is is the most important skill I think you can learn, and it's certainly the the one the one skill that I think I came out of university doing pretty well. And I was always tasked with being the spokesperson of uh, negotiating with our lecturers, also negotiating things like what should or shouldn't be in the exam. That's also very important. Um, so you'll 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 learn some good good law skills that that don't come out of a textbook. Um, and I suppose maybe that's also part of, you know, your experience here with pop law. I mean, we're not, as you know, we're not a traditional law firm. This is not a um, structured backward program and there's no promise of articles. Um, so why how, that would be interesting also, I think, to find out a bit more about is 
how did you how did you come across pop law and why on earth would you decide to do an internship with these rogue rogue women that are, are kind of doing law differently um i will say that um negotiating with lecturers is a skill that many are still learning i'm still learning um our lecturer made us sign a contract to illustrate why reading a contract is important and that's hilarious we're still arguing with him about the terms of the contract so i will keep in mind <laughs> arguing with but absolutely i think that you just made a very valid point is that when you get in a contract you never accept it straight away and i you never sign it straight away and i literally just came off an interview with with some of the security guards at our complex now we're trying to get some more information about people's experience with with legal documents so again i think you're ahead of the curve you you take it and you say i'm going to consider it and get back to your questions you can seek external legal advice i think you you nailing it um and with how i found pop law is um before i deleted my instagram i had to delete my instagram i was taking up too much of my time but before i did that um i was an instagram fiend like i spent all my time on the app just looking at different things and searching up different things and i followed a lot of social justice law pages because one of the internships I wanted to apply for had um, postponed the internship practices during the pandemic. So I was just looking for different types of social law reform groups and things like that. And pop law came up in my recommended like accounts to follow. And I just started following the page and I found it very interesting because it was law that seemed fun and seemed exciting and it wasn't that like very stereotypical clean law aesthetic of an Instagram page. And I found a lot of you guys' posts quite funny. And I was going I was going to bed and I saw my mom passing me and I was like, Mom, do you think if I just sent them an email, they'd reply? Maybe I'd get like a mentorship or maybe I'd get an internship. Like I just need something to do during the pandemic that gives me ease about the future. And she was like, go for it. If they apply, they apply. If they don't, they don't. Um, and we ju- I just sent it. She proofread it and it went off. And I didn't think I'd hear from you guys because it's quite a strange thing reaching out, out to a company that you saw over Instagram. Um, and yeah, then Claire replied and she was like, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a chat with you. We'll see what's up. And I'm here now as an intern for the company. And we're very, very happy that you're here. And it again, it ties in very well with our brand and our history. Popular started because I came across Claire's previous um, business on Instagram and also just loved the look and feel of it. And sent her a message on Instagram directly and just said, you know, this is who I am and I love what you're doing and I think it's really awesome. And that started a conversation. We had breakfast the next day and that was the, the beginning part of our relationship and, and the early early days of Pop Law. So from from our point of view, the the way that we experienced that was to to wake up to, to an email from Normsa that introduced herself as an English and law student from Rhodes University. So obviously there was immediate connection from that point of view, but but really what we were uh, taken aback with was exactly what you said. Everybody at the moment, not everybody, but there are a lot of people at the moment that um, 
this is a weird time for everybody and we get that. But at the same time, I think you, you kind of have to make a choice, you know, whether you, you're just going to accept what the situation is or, or you're going to say, actually, this is kind of what I want. And is there still a way for me to get that, even if it means pivoting and changing directions or, or looking at opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have considered before. So from my point of view, Claire and I are both those types of people. We will email anybody or pick up the phone and call anybody that we think we, we, we might like working with. Um, and like you said, if you if you don't ask, then the answer is always going to be no. But but you will you will find the, the like-minded people that will then engage with you again to say, actually, this is great. We think we could work well together. And it doesn't matter if we don't know exactly what that working relationship would look like. It just means that we we very similar people and and we want to make anything work. So we were very impressed with Norms's initiative. And again, you know, these are things that I don't think you can necessarily learn in a in an academic course, but it's something to just be mindful of is that things like taking initiative and your work ethic and your EQ and your ability to relate to people, that is way more important in in a working environment, any environment really, I think, than than sort of academic knowledge. Because if you've got people with those sorts of skills, you can say to them, look, we, we need you to research the cell division, molecular biology or whatever else those, those people were studying at, at university. And if they have that skill set and that drive, then, then they will do that. So that we, 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 we were thrilled when, when we found out. And it was more a situation of us saying, oh, my gosh, like, are we going to be able to meet whatever expectations you might have for us? So this is, like I said, we, we're still very early days and we're definitely going to to um, leverage this relationship and find out a bit more. I think it's also really important to to get input from from young legal law students, any students really, and any young person really, to to shape the way that law is presented and and being able to be engaged with from a from a national and an international level because the world is changing, law needs to change, the wheels of change in the legal environment turn very very slowly, but you know, if we, if we, if we can do it, then, then that, then that's something that we, we've got to try. So we are super excited to see where this goes. And I'm sure that Norma is definitely going to be another guest um, and potentially a host. We might even have a, a pop law playlist soon that we, we can be launching. So thanks so much for, for everybody that's listened, especially if you're a young student at the moment, or you're thinking about studying law and you, you listen to this, please reach out to us. If you have questions, um, we are hoping to do a panel um, you know, just the way of, of doing law differently and, and different legal careers that you can pursue after your, your law degree that doesn't necessarily involve work walking into a corporate law firm and doing your articles. So definitely keep, keep, keep an eye out for that. And we will chat to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lord Have Mercy. If you've got a story to share or need a legal hand with anything, visit poplaw.coza, where we believe in making law for everyone.